0: You're listening to the Pines Church Podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. You guys doing okay today? Everybody had their Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or Five Hour Energy? Yes? Yeah, I hear that. Okay. Are we ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? Amen. Yes. Amen. I'll take that too. So be it. I uh, just want a couple of housekeeping items. Number one, we did just share with you that we're going to have our first week of growth track this Sunday, however, we had to postpone that until next Sunday. So everybody say, next Sunday. next Sunday. Next Sunday will be our first week of Growth Track. What is Growth Track? I'm glad that you asked. Growth Track is just an opportunity for you to be able to get a 30,000-foot view of what, who we are as a church, kind of kick the tires, so to speak, hear our vision, hear our heart, and to be able to get plugged into our dream team and get connected with the church. We don't really believe in membership. That's kind of a world system. You sign a contract. We believe in covenant, meaning that we believe that you've sought the Lord and that God has asked you to plant here, and we want to lay hands on you and pray that when it's time for you to transition into another ministry or into another church, God will speak to you, God will speak to us, and we'll be able to send you out with the blessing and the favor of this house. And so and then we talk about all the different areas of ministry that we've been entrusted with. So I encourage you to just come. If you've ever wanted to kick the tires and just kind of get a peek behind the curtain, that's a great opportunity. And we keep it under 40 minutes, and we have snacks too. So who doesn't like snacks, right? And so it's going to be snacks. It's going to be a good um, time. I am excited about this year. I can't tell you how excited I am there is an anticipation inside of my spirit and it is very easy to miss what God is getting ready to do if all you do is feed on a steady diet of CNN and Fox News or your local newspaper but God is at work behind the scenes and the year the scripture that the Lord gave me for this year was Psalm 65:11 and it says he crowns the year with a bountiful harvest Even the hard pathways drip with abundance. And the Hebrew word for that word crown means to to encompass. So that means to surround. So every area of your life, God is wanting to prosper. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to come up against opposition and adversity. In fact, as a believer, you're guaranteed it. It just means in the midst of the trials and the storms of life, God still blesses and takes care of his children. He blesses the dry and hard ground. What many would walk away from, God will bring a Harvest. And so I have an expectation in my spirit that we're going to grow as a church, that we're going to grow individually. And I believe, contrary to popular belief, I believe that this nation is on the verge of a spiritual awakening. In fact, I think just a small sign of that, if, any, if there's any NFL fans in here There was an event on Monday night, and I didn't even plan on sharing on this, but I'm going to share on it because I feel the leading of the Holy Spirit. And there was a man on live TV, national broadcast, millions of people watching that all of a sudden in the middle of the football game fell. And he, he didn't have a heartbeat, and they had to perform CPR. And they're scrambling on live TV. They don't know what to say. See, when you come up against death's door, all of a sudden the world becomes really, really quiet because they don't have an answer. But as believers, we know the answer. And so people started, both teams got down and and knelt and began to pray. And it vitalized, I, I watched it all across Twitter, all across social media. People that usually are like positive vibes and positive thoughts were like, I'm sending prayers, I'm praying. And it seemed as if for just a brief moment in time, the nation turned and bent their knee to prayer. And this man is recovering. He's still in the hospital, but he's breathing on his own. And I saw at the beginning of the game last night, an NFL game, two separate teams, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans, before they even started the game. They all joined in the middle of the field and they prayed over the game. Small sign, right? But something's at work in our nation. God is at move and I'm excited. I'm here for all of it, man. I'm here for all of it. So I'm excited. But here we go. I'm going to go from that to talking about um, what can be considered a difficult topic in the church. But I just want to make this point that we live in quite possibly the most indulgent society that has ever existed. Can we all agree upon that? We have everything available at, the, at our fingertips. We're bombarded with over, hear what I'm about to say, 25,000 different marketing ads in a day. Whether that be a billboard, whether that be a newspaper, whether that be on television or on social media. So even if you're trying to tune out, you're constantly, everybody is vying for your attention. And even when you try to get away and you try to get quiet, still your phone's like do-do-do-do, do it's vibrating. And so we live in this microwave society where we don't really have to wait. There isn't a cost to much anymore. There really isn't a cost to us getting our food. All of us, within a matter of 60 seconds, can be in line at Wendy's and order our food in about five minutes. Well, it's been a little rough lately, if we can be honest. But maybe 10 minutes, and we can all get food. And this has really damaged us with the expectation and our lack of patience. And so today, I want to open up in Luke's gospel. And I don't normally share out of the message um, because it's not a literal translation, but I love the way that the message puts this, so I'm going to go ahead and read this. But it says, Luke 21, 34, out of the message says this, Be on guard. Don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by parties, drinking, and yes, it does say shopping. <laughs> Otherwise, that day is going to take you by complete surprise. Spring you spring on you suddenly like a trap for it's going to come on everyone. Everybody say everyone, everyone, Everyone. everywhere. Everybody say everywhere. everywhere, all at once. So whatever you do, don't sleep at the switch. Pray constantly that you will have the strength and the wits to make it through everything that's coming and end up on your feet before the son of man. This was a warning to believers. They weren't talking to the world, they were talking to believers. And if the enemy's good at anything, deception is his game. And the problem with deception is you believe with all your heart you're right and that you're seeing things correctly when in reality, you're completely wrong. He was highlighting the dangers of allowing our natural appetites to supersede our spiritual ones. And that's what happens in a society where everything is given to us, where everything is vying for our attention. Our spiritual appetite and our spiritual senses get dulled and muddied. We shop for things we don't need. We eat when we're not hungry. We drink, right, instead of think. And we're constantly looking for shortcuts from responsibility. I remember when the invention of the little thing called the smartphone was supposed to save us so much time. What am I gonna be able to do with all this extra time that I have? But you know what, when I think back about my grandparents sitting on a porch, they had extra time, I have none. I'm busier than I've ever been. And if we're not careful, we can be slaves to our phones. Somehow, corporations broke through the 40-hour work week and found a way to get a hold of us 7 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock on Saturday morning, 5 o'clock on Sunday night. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I talking to anybody? Anybody agree? Say, yeah. I don't even... Good for you. (laughs) Um, We're going to break all our phones at the end of the message. That's what we're going (laughs) to do. I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. You're like, I just got this one. I have my little pop on the back. Um, So... It's dulling, our, it's dulling our senses. And you know, um, there's an old saying that I came across, and you've probably heard it. I don't know where I heard it, but everybody's heard this saying, that a way to a man's heart is through his stomach. stomach. And as I studied to study, I don't know if that's still the case anymore, but um, as I studied to study scripture, I actually think that's just not just a woman's play. That's actually Satan's play. Because, and I want to open it up with this. If you go to Philippians 3.19, again, this is in the message because I just love the way that it said this. It says this, all they want is easy street. They hate Christ's cross. But easy street is a dead end street. Those who live there make their bellies their gods. Belches are their praise. All they can think of is their appetites. All they can think of is their appetites. They say the average person that has a smartphone touches it over 2,500 times in a day. Think about 2,500 times. That's like, well, I'm not a mathematician, but was it like every seven minutes or something like that? It's just touching it. I've had the honor of being able to work alongside people that have struggled with addiction that have struggled with heavy addiction to drugs and you know one of the first signs you can tell that somebody's addicted to drugs they're constantly they're constantly like this and we've become addicted to these phones. I really didn't mean to go heavy on the phones, but I am a little bit here, okay? And so we have these appetites. We need to g- get access to our social media. We need to get access to our sports. We need to get access um, to YouTube, whatever it is. We have these natural appetites that aren't necessarily bad, but if they're not in check, they can overtake our lives. And if you think about it, speaking of our hunger and our appetite you think about it, sin entered the world through the appetite of Adam and Eve, right? Disobeying God and doing what? Eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? The Bible says that Eve, when Eve saw that the tree was good for eating, she tasted and ate. I just think it's interesting that sin entered the world through the stomach. Esau sold his birthright for his appetite. See, the lust of the flesh seeks to intoxicate our convictions and lower our inhibitions. In other words, the flesh will, will, will muddy what, what, what we're looking at. It'll change and pervert our appetites. Fasting, which is what we're going to be talking about over the next 15 minutes, fasting is a way of declaring martial law on our senses by spending less attention on the temporal and focusing on the eternal. See, Jesus modeled this in the wilderness when the devil tried to prey on Jesus's appetite. Do you remember when he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights? He tried to get Jesus, knowing that he was hungry, he tried to get Jesus to turn the stones into bread. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Here's Jesus, fully man, walking as a man, fasting. He needs sustenance. He needs nourishment. God created him with an appetite. Eating is not wrong, but what he's showing us is that man doesn't live by this bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. As I was reading this and preparing this, I had to seriously take a look and ask myself, Am I living in such a way that I have to hear from the Lord? Or is it just like something I pepper in every once in a while where my appetite is here and every once in a while I treat myself with the Word of God? And I'm not, I'm not teaching this to condemn you, but rather to challenge and convict you as Jake was sharing, Paul says we have to take an inventory. We have to identify areas that may be blind spots that are taking up room and preventing us from stepping into all that Christ has for us. And I am telling you, he has so much more for you than what you are experiencing today. So much more and that's not a rebuke that's a that's an encouragement for us to to go and to press into all that god has for us fasting is more than simply abstaining from food it's not just it's not a hunger strike It's not twisting God's arm. Well, I'm not going to eat until you bless me. Like a little 16-year-old brat that gets sent to a room because she was listening to something she wasn't supposed to. Or he, doesn't matter. I'm not gender neutral here. And, uh, you know, it's just like, I'm not going to listen to you. And then, like, slams the door and stomps their foot. Some of us, sometimes, I've seen it in the church. Like, I'm not going to eat until God answers my prayer. Like, (laughs) okay. God's like, okay, you got me at 10 days. I'll go ahead and give you whatever you want. no. And it's not to lasso in God to align God with us. It's rather the opposite, to align ourselves with God. We quiet down everything else. We quiet our flesh in the midst of that hyper-stimulated world that's vying for our attention. We quiet our appetites. And all of a sudden, our spiritual ears can hear. Why do you think Jesus was always saying, pray that you have eyes to see and ears to hear? Most of the people he was talking to had eyes to see and ears to hear, and if they didn't, he healed them. <laughs> so what the heck is he talking about? He's talking about your spiritual eyes and their spiritual ears, that you would see the world the way that Jesus sees it, that you wouldn't look at somebody that's on the side of the road in ragged clothes and look, man, what a you know, go get a job, what a bum, because that's not how Jesus sees them. Jesus prayed the greatest ransom in the universe for that person. And how dare you or I have those thoughts about a man or a woman that was created in God's image. But it's very easy to slip into the narrative that's being fed to us in this world. So the question is, where are we spending our attentions? What are we feeding our appetites? Because you hunger for what you feed on. If you eat fast food all the time, when you're hungry, where are you going to go? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Did you say the grave? That's true, dude. That's good. But you're going to look at a piece of salmon and mixed field greens, something that's actually really good for you, and you're going to be like, ugh. And you're going to be like, give me the double quarter pounder with French fries, animal style, and a Diet Coke, right? And it's not going to do you any good. So you have to change your appetite. You have to start to feed on the word of God. Bishop Wilson of the Isle on Man, which is an interesting name, said this, those who deny themselves will be sure to find their strength increased. Their affections raised and their inward peace continually augmented. I love that it says your peace. When you deny yourself that you're peace, we're looking for contentment in all of these things that are available to us. We're looking for contentment in alcohol. We're looking for contentment in job titles. We're looking for contentment in sex. We're looking for contentment in media, and we never find it. Because this God-shaped hole can only be filled by having a relationship with our creator, which is why you can never get enough drugs. You can never get enough sex. You can never get enough media. You can never get enough job titles. You can never get enough money. I believe it was John D. Rockefeller, one of the richest men living at the time, was interviewed, and the reporter asked him, how much money is enough? You're the richest person in the world. How much money is enough? To which he replied, just a little bit more, just a little bit more. This is why the enemy will stop at nothing to prevent you from stepping into the discipline of fasting. There's never a good time to fast. There's never a good time to give up food. It's gonna be somebody's birthday. It's gonna be, and let me just tell you this, okay? I'll just give you a heads up. All right? The enemy knows how to get access to your appetite so all of a sudden you start smelling things that you never smelled before people are offering you all of this food somebody makes this huge thing and you got to go through the awkward clumsy uh you know i'm just not eating right now i'm not hungry what you know like people just why aren't you eating but it's going to come at you, but you have to be disciplined and diligent to understand and to recognize that the enemy's going to put food left and right everywhere that you go. Man, things you don't even like to eat are all of a sudden going to look super, super enticing. And you're going to find yourself like at eight o'clock at night, all of a sudden in front of the refrigerator, just like, just like uh, salivating over the pickle juice. It's like... Uh, and it's your appetite and it shows you when you fast, when you start to really get some separation between those meals. And maybe now you've gone 24 hours and your body's like in full revolt. And like, no, 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 We get fed three meals a day and lots of snacks. Where's my donut? Where's my Starbucks? Where's my Egg McMuffin? Where's my things? Give them to me, give them to me, give it to me. More, and more, and more, right? And all of a sudden you're gonna start reason and justifying real quick. And what you justify, you buy. Meaning, if you make a justification for it, then you're going to circumvent what you originally set out to do every single time. Martin Luther, a great father in the faith, said this, reason is a whore. And I know that's a harsh statement, but basically what it's meaning is it's not going to be faithful to you. It's going to give you what you want in the moment, but then it's going to break your heart further down the road. See, Jesus first addresses fasting in, in the Gospels in Matthew 6.16 when he says, when you fast, so again, he's saying when you fast, implying you are going to fast. And the reason that I'm going hard on this is because there are some churches, there are some beliefs that fasting like died away with the apostles. Like that would be real nice. All that hard stuff in the Bible, the difficult stuff, like that all died with the apostles. And now all I gotta do is this. But I'm sorry to tell you that fasting did not die with the apostles that God has an expectation for his children to participate in this spiritual discipline. Not to be in a works-based, but to recognize that the world is going to come after you to quiet yourself so that you can make more room for God. He says this, "'When you fast, don't be like the hypocrites, with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to men to be fasting.'" I love the fact that Jesus had to say this because most people in our society don't even fast anymore, but this was like a real problem back then that people would boast and fast. Like if they had social media back then, can you imagine what it would be like? <laughs> can you even imagine? Like day four, I'm fasting. You know, like just give me all the compliments. Give me all the likes. Give me, give me, give me. I'm going to live stream. I'm just going to wait for a few more people to get on here. <laughs> you look a little gone. Are you fasting? Yes, I am fasting. Thank you for asking. Anyway, for they disfigure their faces and they appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you that they have received their reward. So there's a reward to fasting. And we don't want the reward of a like or a share on social media. We want God's reward. So God's basically differentiating. You can get a compliment, an boy for man, or you can do this in private just between you and me, and I will reward you. And he goes on to say that, but you, when you fast, anoint your head with oil and wash your face, which is pretty good advice in general. Just wash your face, okay? (laughs) Wash your face. If you're not doing it, consider this the day, the catalyst for you to start washing your face. Good practice. Jesus says to WWJD, wash your face. So that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is, here, catch this, but to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. God sees every thought that's racing through that little brain of your, big brain, big brain, I'm not trying to be insulting. He sees every emotion that's fluttering inside of that heart. And when you take intentional steps towards him, you don't need the, appraisal, the praise of man or the rejection of man. You don't need anything. Man has nothing to offer you. We live our lives for an audience of one. And God sees everything that you do. And what you do in private, he rewards in public. We do not fast to get the reward. God is the purpose of our fast to to come after him for intimacy with him. But God is a rewarder. How does he introduce himself to Abraham? I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. God is a rewarder. And as a father of six, pray for me, I've learned that nothing brings me more joy than rewarding my children. I absolutely love rewarding my children. It brings me so much joy. And God wants to reward you. He watches everything. He sees everything you're going through. In fact, he promises to never leave nor forsake us. So he's walking through those things with you. He appears to be making the assumption in this scripture, in this text, that we will be fasting and also highlights that God rewards us. Some, I just John Wesley had this quote, and I thought it was so powerful. Some have exalted religious fasting beyond all scripture and reason. And others have utterly disregarded it and i think that's a pretty clear picture of the of the scripture sometimes you get people that are just fasting all the time. They're fasting to twist God's hand. They're fasting and they're writing out like, it's like Christmas is over and now it's New Year's and I'm going to go ahead and and write my list, get my service merchandise catalog out there and circle all the things that I want. I got the kids what they wanted. Everybody, who remembers service merchandise, okay? I'm in Maine, dude. I'm in Maine. And, And we circle all these things. God, I want this. God, I want this. And yes, God wants to reward you. God wants to bless you. God wants to prosper you. Okay, but not for the sake of you being prospered and blessed. He blesses you so that you can be a blessing to others. He blesses you so that you can open doors for others, so that you can employ others, so you can pour out into others. So please don't ever get it twisted. So let's define that word fast, right? Because we got, what? we got a few minutes here. Fast. It's the Hebrew word for the word fast is to sum. I'm probably butchering that, which means to cover over or to literally cover one's mouth. And I want to spend a little bit of time on this, because I've heard in the body of Christ a lot of different, you know, you can fast. Netflix, you can fast, caffeine, you can fast. Yes, you can abstain from all of those things and you will probably see a benefit from abstaining from those things in your health and even in your ability to be able to hear God. But if we're gonna go with a biblical definition, that is not what it's talking about. The biblical definition of a fast is literally to abstain from food. And there are several different types of fasts that are listed in scripture that I'm gonna take the time to highlight. And I would encourage you to pray and to take these to the Lord, not out of compulsion, but from a sincere and genuine heart posture of wanting to grow closer with him and wanting to grow into all that he has for your life. You know, I can tell you as an Italian that fasting was one of the hardest spiritual disciplines for me to cultivate in my life. I love to pray. I love to worship. I love to read God's word. Like I I, I didn't, necessarily struggle in those areas, not to say that I don't ever struggle, I'm not trying to paint that kind of picture, but I'm just saying fasting was a real difficult one. So I'd always be like, yeah, and then I'd go out to eat afterwards, you know, and I'd be like, oh shoot, and then I'd be like, everybody's fasting and I'm not fasting. Um, but you have to understand, you know, I grew up Italian, so we had like plates and plates and plates of pasta. I mean, we had thirds and fourths at my house, <laughs> Okay. And, you know, what, what I had to, so it was a difficult thing for me to cultivate as a new believer. But as I studied scripture, I realized Moses fasted, David fasted, Elijah fasted, Daniel fasted, Esther fasted, Anna, Paul, and of course, Jesus It's woven all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament alike. And so as we get into these different types of fasting, I want to say this, that fasting also isn't dieting, Okay. Dieting changes the way you look, right? Like, look at me, all right? And fasting changes the way that you see, talking about getting those spiritual eyes, talking about seeing the world the way that God sees it. In fact, dieting really is kind of almost the opposite of fasting because fasting is dying to yourself, right? And focusing in on God. I mean, f- fasting is dying to yourself and focusing in on God, and dieting is focusing on yourself and how you look, right? Dieting isn't bad. Dieting has a place. Actually, you should just make a whole lifestyle change. It's better than dieting because it's like a fad. It's fleeting. But anyway, my point is it's not necessarily bad for you to, to diet, but diet, dieting is is, re- is a relatively new thing. Really, if you go back to the, you know, the beginning of uh, the 20th century is the beginning where you start to see dieting gaining traction. If you go back... 300 years ago, nobody's dieting. You know what I mean? But we live in a world of opulence. We live in a world um, of self-indulgence where everything is made available. If you want to go eat a dozen donuts, go eat a dozen donuts. And you know what? I'd be lying to say that I've never ate a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts. But those things are hard. You stay away from them. They're like crack. You should look at crack and Krispy Kreme donuts as the same thing and run in the opposite direction because they're extremely bad for you. They're not like Dunkin' Donuts, Okay. It's like smoking a cigarette, smoking crack, okay? Eating a Dunkin' Donuts and eating Krispy Kreme donuts. Just run in the opposite direction. It's bad for you. Stay away from them. They're so good and you, just, you won't leave. You'll just stay there. And they make them right in front of you. It's terrible. You don't even have a chance. You don't have a chance. So fasting, fasting is about ruling over the lusts of our flesh. And nothing highlights the power of our flesh more than our appetite for food. It also shows us what we're made of. You see, we can often hide or mask these areas with food, entertainment, the busyness of life, our careers, our relationships. However, when we fast, abstain from food, and make room for God, we were singing that song, make room, make room for God and consecrate ourselves to him, all of a sudden, all this ugliness starts to come to the surface. We begin to manifest immediately, tempted to justify our lust, our anger, our jealousy, our gluttony, and our anger. And let me just say this about gluttony. Okay, Often, you can, you can be gluttonous and not be overweight. You hear what I just said? Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. I've met plenty of people that are skinny as a rail and they have a gluttonous heart. They have a gluttonous spirit. They don't know how to say no. They say yes to everything. So be careful who you judge and who you criticize and who you look down on. Because gluttony can manifest in the natural, but it is a condition of the heart. And gluttony isn't something that we talk about very often. But it's something I think if we're honest with ourselves, we struggle with in America, where we have everything available at our fingertips and we have no one telling us when to stop. It's awfully quiet in this church. (laughs) So (laughs) we must embrace humility in these moments when we, when we're not eating and this ugliness comes to the surface, rather than deny it or try to justify it or to run back to media or to run back to, you know, alcohol or food, whatever we're using to disguise or to mask these blind spots in our life. We have to have the humility to say, this is something I struggle with. I have an anger problem. And I need to do something about it because God cannot heal what you conceal. I'm going to say that again. God cannot heal what you conceal. Honesty is the currency of growth. And we must be honest with ourselves. And it requires tremendous amounts of humility to be honest and to identify that we struggle with anger, that we struggle with lust. It's not the kind of thing we we boast about, we brag about. But God is saying, I want to invite you into this place of consecration where I'm going to show you in private these things that are eventually going to be your downfall so that they're not revealed publicly, but that we can uproot them in private so that you can be set free from the bondage of sin. Fasting is a way for our spirits to become sensitized to identifying things that aren't supposed to be. Be there. David said in Psalm 69:10, I humbled my soul with fasting. David, a man after God's own heart, humbled himself. Let me tell you something: there is no bottom floor in the elevator of humility. You're going to continue to need to humble yourself in your 40s, in your 50s, in your 60s, in your 70s, in your 80s. You have layers and layers and layers that need to be dealt with, that God wants. And God, quite frankly, he's going to be dealing with things in your 50s. If you would have shared that with you in your 20s, you wouldn't have been able to handle it. There's no way you would have been able to handle it. And so God, in his perfect timing, is showing you these things, is illuminating these things. And fasting is the process that leads to freedom as we yield to God. Okay, I'm going to go over the different types of fasts. Ah, we're almost running out of time. Ready? Number one, water fast. Okay, that's like the, 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 the hardest, the strongest, the most all-in water fast. Water fast is where you just drink water. That's what Jesus did when he was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. He fasted all food, all sustenance, and just drank water. Number two is a juice fast. So that's where you might drink um, food broth, like broth, soup broth, um, juices, Um, But you stay away from anything that you would have to chew. Number three is a partial fast. Um, So typically uh, we see in the Bible that there was a fast, um, you know, from six to six. So in other words, when you wake up, you don't eat, and then you eat right before you you go to bed. So you could eat one meal a day, or if you really wake up early. I, I I saw somebody do it like a six to six. That's a good way to do it. So you wake up in the morning, you don't eat anything, and then you eat one meal at the end of the night. A Daniel fast, and a Daniel fast really is more kind of a diet, but um, I know a lot of people like to talk about it. And essentially what it is is you give up uh, meats and breads and grains. You, you focus in on fruits, veggies, nuts, beans, water. Um, and uh, yeah, and the sun up the sun down fast, I guess that's a, kind of the same as a partial fast. So a partial fast might be better defined as just giving up your lunch. And so it's not enough to just give up your lunch and then to sit there and watch Sports Center during your lunch, okay? That's not really fasting. But to take that time and maybe go in your car and just start to journal, just start to pray, just start to turn on worship, prayer walk, walk around, and invite the Holy Spirit into that space. It's taking that time and consecrating it. Back to, you know, in Jesus' day, when they ate, it was like a big production. It was like a few hours, Okay, because they got to prepare all the food. They had like appetizers. They had all this food coming out and they reclined at the seat. Can you imagine that? Just like chilling at your and just being, just eating. Like, that's kind of cool. We eat like so fast. Most of us don't even sit at a table. We eat on the go, which is terrible. But that's, a, that's another story for another time. Um, so they took this time that they would usually be reclining and eating three to four hours and they took it and they would just go out and prayer walk or just go study or just spend time in the temple. And I'm going to share this with you, this testimony, and then I'm going to let you go. And then I'm probably going to say four or five more times that I'm about to close. But really, I am going to let you go here pretty soon. Um, I remember I went on a fast. It was was one of the longest fasts I'd ever done. I I was in Bible college. And um, I just felt I wanted to experience more of God. So I gave up, you know, everything and I was fasting. But I didn't tell anybody. I was like real adamant on that. I got a bit legalistic, like I didn't tell anybody. So I was working out with my friends who weren't believers, Right? And I wasn't eating. And it was the longest fast that I'd ever done. So instead of, as they were gaining, you know, strength and muscle in the gym, I was losing it. And they're like, dang, you can't even bench press like what we warm up with. Like, what the heck's going on with you? But as I was fasting, the Lord put on my heart a friend that I had. And he was like, you know, he he just kind of made a mockery of church. He just kind of joked around about it. He wasn't serious. He never went to church. And the Lord just put him on my heart strongly. And so during this fast, I I was praying for him. I wasn't thinking about this guy. Homeboy wasn't on my mind. I was, you know, trying to pursue God. But because of who God is, he was showing me something that I couldn't see. Even though I was spending time with this guy, I wasn't praying for him. And I'm just being 100% sincere and honest with you. Okay. And all of a sudden, God just gave me a burden for this guy. And I started to pray and and intercede on him. And I, you know, I wasn't eating and I was, I was actually working out with him. And uh, so it was a little bit awkward and clumsy. And, you know, at the end of the fast, he came to me and he said, you know, I want to start going to church with you. And he would come to church and this is, this is, this is how crazy he was. He would read a book during worship (laughs) And then he would listen, and he would say, like, "Well, that's like the that's like the uh, salad, and the, the the message is like the meal." So I, you know, I don't have to. But I mean, it was just it was at first it was like embarrassing. So I'm sitting there like worshiping, and he's like reading the Da Vinci Code, and like oh, oh, oh. it was literally the Da Vinci Code. Like that's literally the book he was reading. And I was just like, oh. but anyway, he's coming to church, and I was so excited. But God began to stir and to move on his heart, and I really believe that that fast played a huge part in that whole thing. But so fasting breaks things down in the supernatural. And it wasn't that I was fasting to get him in church, but God saw that this man was ripe, that he was ready, that he was an invitation away from coming into church. And sometimes there are people that we're doing life with that we don't have the spiritual eyes to see. They're one invitation away from coming to church. Or you're one idea away from starting a new business. Or you're one compliment away from your wife being, hands being all over you, or whatever it is, man. I mean, like there's one thing there that's, and maybe you guys have been fighting, And we can't see it because we're so blinded by these things. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to invite the worship team back up here, and I'm I'm going to read this quote to you. This is Dan B. Alander, and he said this, Fasting from any nourishment, activity, involvement, or pursuit for any season sets the stage for God to appear. Fasting sets the stage for God to appear. Fasting is not a tool to pry wisdom out of God's hand or to force needed insight about a decision. Fasting is not a tool for gaining discipline or developing piety, whatever that might be. Instead, fasting fasting is the bulimic act of ridding ourselves or fullness to attune our senses to the mysteries that swirl in and around us. Jesus said in Matthew six thirty three but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. This fast that we're getting ready to start tomorrow as a church, I believe there's power and blessing in unity. It's from the 9th to the 29th. I believe that the Lord is going to show you what to abstain from, what to stay away from, and what to do. Maybe it's time in the word. Maybe it's time in prayer. But this, I want you to hear this as the pastor of this church. This fast isn't about your career, isn't about your bank account, isn't about your relationships. It's about God. This fast is about God. But because God is a rewarder, he says, if you seek my kingdom first... Watch and see what I do in your life. Watch and see what I do with that bank account. Watch and see what I do with that dead end career. Watch and see how I flourish that marriage that's stale. Watch and see what I do to your body. You look at yourself and you say, I'm out of shape. I'm never gonna get back to that level. Watch and see. God is a rewarder and he is for you. There's nobody more for you than God. He went all in on you. He paid the greatest ransom in the universe. So I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. If you're in this room today, maybe somebody drug you in here. Maybe you still have alcohol or narcotics coursing through your veins. It does not matter. God wants to be in a relationship with you. He loves you. He wants to show you today that he's real. He wants to show you in a way that doesn't come from a preacher's lips, but in a way that you cannot deny that he's touched your heart. If you're in this room today and you have the courage to say, I want to be in a relationship with the Lord. I want you to raise your hand and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I see those hands, you can put them down. Everything we did today, the worship, the word, the semi-funny jokes, it was all for this moment. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices, all, when one sinner repents. Now I've been to some ragers in college, but there is no party like the party in heaven that is rejoicing over your soul. And so I want everybody to repeat these words after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I acknowledge my sin before you. I repent of my wickedness and I turn to you. I elevate your word above what I see, feel, and experience. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. And now I want to pray for you. Lord, you saw the sincerity of the hearts of the men and women that raised their hands. And I am asking, Holy Spirit, that you would fill them afresh and anew right at this very moment, that no enemy that no person would ever be able to talk them out of the experience that they had in you coming into their life and coming into their heart. Lord, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice. I pray that as they take steps towards you, that you would take steps towards them, that you would show them what to abstain from, that they would draw closer to you, that they would step into the fullness of what you intended for their lives. God, this is all for you, and so we give you all the praise and all the glory, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now, just let me hold you one minute. For those of you that raised your hand, like I said, Jess and I have six kids, and when Jess gave birth to that baby, we didn't just drop him off on the street and say, well, figure your life out. God entrusted us with that child to help raise them and there's a lot of stinking thinking. There's a lot of lies that have been imparted to you throughout the course of your life. And we want to help you understand the word. So we have a Bible for you. We have a gift for you. And so we, if you go out to Guest Central, we want to get a Bible in your hand. If you're a guest and you go to another church, get plugged in and let the senior pastor know that you've given your life to Christ and they will get you plugged in. But if you don't have a church, this is your home. And these are your brothers and sisters. And we do life together. I love each and every single one of you. I'm excited to see your lives reflect the glory of God. Till next time, Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening to the Pines Church Podcast, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.